Hi, and welcome to In Gear, a podcast about marketing, marketing technology, and really anything else that comes up in conversation. In Gear is produced by Message Gears, a customer marketing technology provider serving radically different software used by the world's largest brands. We hope you enjoy the show. Here are your hosts, India Waters and Nick Zeke Lopez. Hey, everybody, and thank you very much for listening to In Gear, Message Gear's only podcast. As always, my name is Nick Zeke Lopez, and I'm joined by India. India, how are you today? Doing great, Nick. Other than I had a run-in with a roach this morning. It was really bad. We might get into it in the podcast. We might not. It could be a cliffhanger. <laughs> and and hopefully not asking India about her uh, cockroach situation is Dan Roy, uh, uh, tech entrepreneur and founder of Message Years. Dan, how are you today? I'm great. Glad to be here. No, no weird insect uh, run-ins on your plate today, I, I hope? Not yet. Not yet, but the day is young. <laughs> Um, so, so Dan, uh, uh, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Uh, um, what your, what your career has been to this point and, and, uh, a little about what you want to talk about today? Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Career, uh, career up to this point. Um, uh, I'm a career technologist, so I grew up kind of doing it right out of school and, and, uh, went into banking for a few years, uh, building software for a bank. Um, and then went to uh, Delta Airlines shortly after that, building Delta.com back in their early days of the, uh, the internet. And uh, then that's when I got into marketing technology at, at Delta, kind of got the bug. And I've been doing that ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, moving from the, the brand side to the vendor side after Delta, uh, providing marketing solutions to big companies like Delta. And then uh, becoming an entrepreneur and starting starting my own marketing technology company. Uh, uh, a marketing technology company, I would say pretty near and dear to, to mine in India's heart. Um, <laughs> Message Gears. Can you tell us a little bit about Message Gears um, and what was going on that, and what led you to, to start it? What, what was it originally when you started it? Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, my experience with, with, Email and messaging technology started at Delta. We, we built a booking engine and rolled it out and uh, it was growing massively. And part of that process was collecting email addresses from Delta's customers as they would sign up for frequent flyer accounts online and give us their email address. And I'm like, my God, we got to do something with all these email addresses. We're not using them. And um, so we partnered with a company uh, that built email marketing software called AccuCast and, um, and, and with great success. Uh, and I went later on to join that company as the chief technology officer. And um, the, the genesis for uh, message gears actually came from my experience at AccuCast. So we were building software that big companies like Delta would use to connect directly into their big data warehouses like Teradata. And, uh, and they would send their email campaigns right out of their own data warehouse. Um, uh, so that was great. But one of the challenges that we had and our customers had was managing email servers and deliverability kind of in their own data centers. Um, That's a major, major headache. So there was great benefits to that direct connection to their data warehouses, but it came with a lot of overhead of managing deliverability. So um, about that time, SaaS solutions were taking off and everybody was moving to SaaS solutions. Uh, So we did the same thing in AccuCast, but we lost that great benefit of being able to connect directly to our customers' data. Now they had to figure out how to move all that data 
to their vendor, to us as their vendor. And that was a major headache. So I'm like, man, it's kind of a, a Sophie's choice here. You got, um, you know, you got major headaches with both of these kinds of solutions. And that was really the, the genesis for the idea of message gears, where it's kind of a hybrid solution where you keep your data in your data warehouse, but you outsource the email deliverability part and there's connectors in between that move data back and forth seamlessly. And so uh, that's where the idea came from. Just, it was born out of the pain of seeing uh, on-premise solutions and SaaS solutions and, and seeking to find a better way to do it. Yeah, I, I and at that point, I mean, pretty early, what did scale look like? You had mentioned connecting to, to these, you know, Teradata data warehouses, but like, are we talking, you know, these, I'm assuming it's like batch and blast st- stuff, like at, like at what, you know, what, what's, what are the audience sizes? What are the campaign sizes at that point? Back then, um, I mean, they were big. It was, um, if I remember correctly, Delta probably had 30, 40 million email addresses really early on. Um, and, um, you know, one of the options that Delta had that we had when I was at Delta was these list servers where you just blast out the same message to everybody. And so that, those were the only vendor solutions around at the time. Um, and so, you know, my, I was working with my partners in marketing at Delta and I'm like, here, here are the kind of solutions out there. And, uh, you know, it's basically blast to everybody. And they're like, we can't do that. I mean, we've got silver medallions and, and platinum medallions. We need to treat these people differently and they need to get different, uh, different messages. So Delta was really smart early on. And, um, so that's when we went searching for vendor solutions and that's when we landed on AccuCast, right? Because they did mm-hmm. the personalization. So Delta was actually personalizing messages almost from the very, very beginning. Uh, so it was anyway, Sophie's it was choice at scale back then. And it, it was personalized even for Delta airlines back in the, like, this is 97, you know, this is, this is way back in the pioneering days. 96, 97. Let's remember that India. Uh, quick, uh, by the way, quick, um, Sophie's choice, $9 million budget, $30 million at the box office. So, uh, based on I the was 1979. Ju- <laughs> I was just going to say, and Dan, can you tell us the genesis of the saying Sophie's choice? Um, but no, we don't need to get into that because Nick already told us. Thank you. Oh, I, you know, I, I, by the way, I hate, like, I always knew that was a thing, but I never knew what Sophie's choice was. And reading the plot here, I realized that it was a, it's, it is a bad, it's a weird, it's a weird choice. Um, <laughs> on from that. There's no good choice in a Sophie's choice. Yeah. That's Actually, right. Um, really, really quick, really quick, Dan. Um, when you're saying that back then that that they were starting to do personalization super super early on, is that really was that like actually personalizing the emails or was that like better segmentation and batching and blasting to a, a more segmented group or both? Um, I mean there was definitely segmentation. Um well, I think it was in my recollection, um, you know, they were personalized with name and 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 make it personal that way. Uh, and they would definitely personal. I think the, the main concern was we want to make sure we treat the medallions, you know, we want to recognize their status in the in the mm-hmm. uh, loyalty program. And that was extremely important to them. So um, that that's the main thing that stands out. But I'm sure there were tons of segmentation. And, and, and you know, with with airlines the origins and destination cities are really important to personalize those two. You don't want to send out a, you know, email to someone who lives in Atlanta with specials that leave from Los Angeles. Right. So there were, there was a lot of personalization uh, involved early on. 
So you'd mentioned, you know, kind of wanting to get into the SaaS model. It is, is that, I would say like the, the, the blowing up, and this was around 2010, 29, 2011. Uh, was that what propelled the idea for message gears was take what people are doing now, but make it in an easier SaaS model? The SaaS and email started coming around probably in early 2000s. Um, and so at, when I was at AccuCast, we, we launched a SaaS version of the, you know, the fully installed software product. And it just, it just didn't resonate with the enterprise clients that we had uh, like we thought it might. Um, so again, the, the idea for message years came out of that frustration of like, there's got to be a better way to do it. It's, you know, these two different approaches don't seem to be a great fit for the big companies that we're, that we're selling to. Um, and so, you know, for me being a technology guy, it's like, well, you know, we don't have to pick one or the other. There's a solution that kind of does both of these and it doesn't exist yet, but I can see how we would build that uh, in my mind where you don't have to copy all the data from your big data warehouse to your vendor. Um, and so this was probably 2009 uh, when we started building, building uh, message gears. How did you, how did you go about, you know, assembling your oceans 11 or, or your, your the team there? Like, what, what was that like to actually make the decision to say, all right, we're going to start doing this. Yeah. Um, we were actually part of a company called PGI at the time. And, and um, we're building um, is called the communications operating system. It was basically uh, for doing all kinds of messaging, not just email, but um, it was marketing messaging. And um, you know, PGI had acquired many different email solutions over the years. So my goal, I was tasked with, um, and I thought it was important to build one messaging engine that could work for any of these messaging products that PGI had. So I, I built the original kind of founding team of message years while at PGI. And then, you know, 2008, 2009, when the economy took a hit and they were looking to scale back, uh, we were able to work a deal with PGI to spin out uh, the project that I was in charge of. And that really became the, the genesis of message gears, that communications operating system that was kind of a API based messaging solution um, was the core of what, when we started message gears. Um, and, and when you started, I realized that this is, this gets a little bit, I think, technical, but you were, you were one of the first on the bandwagon of uh, Amazon web services. Is that right? We were, yeah. Um, we were there very, very early on, starting at PGI. It wasn't even ready for prime time yet when, when we started Message Gears. But um, when we spun out of PGI, uh, we were not on Amazon, even though we had looked at it and decided it wasn't ready. And just for lots of reasons, uh, Amazon was, was building momentum. Uh, we moved over quickly. That was the first project we undertook as message gears was moving off of the old uh, platform that we had built using a product called Three Terra. Um, it, was, it was also called App Engine, and, and it was really expensive because it required, required dedicated hardware. It wasn't kind of elastic like Amazon can be with automatically scaling up and down. Uh, and we moved on to Amazon in 2010. And even then, uh, I remember talking to investors and they would, we would explain how we were hosted and I would tell them we we're on Amazon. And I, I viewed it as a benefit, like we're cutting edge, man. We're on, on cloud computing. And they're like, yeah, you 
probably don't want to tell your customers you're on Amazon because it's not really a proven platform. <laughs> so we were, uh, you know, we were on very, very early on Amazon. And uh, man, it, it was, I think it was a great decision in hindsight. But in, you know, looking back at it from when we made the decision, it was really born out of necessity because it was just a better, more affordable way to start a company. It was just, uh, you know, we could focus on building software and not hosting servers and building networks and, and all that craziness. So, so as you, as you began in the early years going through it, kind of growing the company, were there things you found difficult that people didn't prepare you for, right? We all read, you know, the, the art of the start and, and different like various startup and management books. Yeah. Like what were the tough parts that no one's talking about? The tough parts. I mean, you know, I, I was no spring chicken. I was in my forties when we started it. So, I mean, I've been around the block. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, but I think one of the things you got to do is, is just believe in yourself and believe in your idea. And, you know, I, I certainly have that. Um, but to me, you know, being an engineer, the sales and marketing side of it was probably the, the big eye opener for me. Um, I just didn't fully appreciate the importance and how difficult, you know, that process can be, uh, you know, of, of hiring and building a sales and marketing team and, you know, all the strategy and technology even that goes into uh, building an effective sales and marketing organization. That that was that was definitely an eye opener for me, especially with enterprise software and enterprise sales. And we're competing with Adobe and Salesforce and IBM. You know, there were some huge competitors, and, uh, and and trying to break into that space, even when you have the best technology, um, you know, it's a pretty significant, <laughs> to say the least, sales and marketing challenge. Yeah, I think that's big. Um, I mean. When you think about back in that time when you're trying to hire your marketing team, like where did, where was you, like, what was your first step or who did you turn to? Like, did you have like some mentors that you were able to turn to for help or what was that like? I can't imagine. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of it, I mean, almost all of the early recruiting was just networking, right? So you don't go hire a placement firm or a headhunter and, and find people that way. So, you know, I'd worked for, um, I worked for AccuCast in the past and we had sales, you know, sales team there. So I, I would just talk to the people that I knew that had worked in sales from, from other companies uh, that I worked at before. And that's, you know, that, those are the kinds of resources that we brought on early on. Um, and they were great. You know, it's funny, the, the kinds of people that are a good fit depend on what stage you are in building the company. And, you know, I think when you're a 10 million revenue company, your sales team and the people, you know, the people leading it probably are different than when you're a five person company and, and you have almost no revenue. So it's, um, it's an evolution. And, uh, you know, we had some great resources all along the way, many of which are still, still with message gears today. Something I've always thought you you can cool. say his name. It's Will, right? Will was awesome. Will actually came from um, from Bert, our our first investor. Uh, Will had been working in marketing with another one of Bert's companies, so that was another networking example. And Will, uh, he wasn't our you know we had had one or two salespeople before Will, but he was our first marketing resource that we hired. Yeah, and still with us today. Yeah, I love that. And, yeah. Uh, uh, um, I mean, 
I'm glad we're <laughs> speaking of Will. I feel like he is a big part of my next question. And it's like, I think Message Gears is, has one of the best company cultures of any company I've ever worked for. And it's definitely, I mean, I guess <laughs> I think it's a, a really good, it feels from like the top down and the ground up, whatever saying you want to use around it. And like, where, how do you, was that like super intentional and, and how'd that come about? Um, it was super intentional to build, um, a fun environment and, um, you know, an environment built on trust, um, with employees, you know, and everyone that we dealt with, um, you know, to me personally, that's very important. Um, and, and, you know, you got to work hard in any, in any business these days, especially a startup where you're, you know, you're starting from scratch. And so you're working hard, you're working long hours. It's important to enjoy the, the people that you work with. Um, and, you know, and, and so that was very, very intentional. Cause I just don't know how you could survive, you know, working and, and building a company and being there all the time with people, if you didn't, you know, didn't enjoy um, and have fun at work. So, um, yeah, that, that part was very intentional. Who was the coworker you hated the most? No, I'm joking. <laughs> well, I can't say the name because he's on this cast, <laughs> right? However, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a pretty successful podcast. No, uh, uh, no, kind of shifting gears. So, so, you know, message gears, I think is doing something very unlike a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, you know, the, the rest of the marketing companies are right using using data where it where it rests and, and that kind of came from like you said your experience there looking yeah. forward where do you see marketing tools evolving to and where do you see the marketing industry evolving to uh, yeah. uh in broad strokes what, what what is what are your predictions for the future you know i mean to me a lot it's 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 a lot of the same i mean i think data is is you know it's foundational and you know that's been foundational, I think will continue to be foundational. So the technologies are changing around data, you know, data warehousing has changed a lot in the past 10 years. It's moving away from, you know, the old traditional data warehouses to um, cloud databases, you know, BigQuery and, and Snowflake and Redshift. So I, I think that's going to continue to be more and more important. Um, it's always been very important. Um, and, you know, how you use the data, I think, is going to be critically important. So machine learning, I think, is um, it's been, you know, unapproachable for most companies just because, um, you know, it required scientists to, to do it well. But now Amazon and Google are making, you know, machine learning approachable to, to basically any organization. So, you know, data, machine learning, and, and I think integration to me are like the three top technologies, you know, from a, a marketing technology standpoint that um, companies need to start embracing if they haven't already, because it's going to be the key to success in my, in my view. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I would echo that sentiment as well of like the ease of machine learning in our, in our last podcast, we talked a little bit about it's one thing for a technology to be available. It's not until it's easily usable that it really lifts off. Um, they were talking yeah. about streaming architecture, but I think that applies to machine learning as well. Yeah, I mean, you can't do machine learning if you don't have the underlying data to feed it. Like those are just, you know, um, 
starving for data. You've got to feed them massive amounts of data for them to work well. So if you don't have that data warehousing technology and have your data in order, machine learning is not going to do a lot for you. So it is foundational and the kind of one builds upon the other. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, as we're winding down and before we, just a few more questions before we get to the lightning round. Um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, you mentioned the other day that even when you were starting to spin this spin message gears off, they were already talking about like, Oh, email is dead and, and stuff like that. So, you know, what it, like looking towards the future and even kind of bringing that into like what, what gave you the confidence to spin off message gears? Like what's the relevance of email then? And, and what do you see the future of it? Yeah. I mean, people have been saying email was dead ever since I think Facebook launched their messenger product. And uh, I never believed that for a second. Um, I mean, the, we all interact with, with, direct messaging and we all interact with email. It's just, they're two different things to me. So I don't see email going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a web page in your, you know, push web page, a web page in your, your inbox, which is very different to me from kind of the conversational messaging um, that's become really popular, you know, over the past 10 years or so. So I don't, I don't see email going anywhere. Just the format of it is just so different and, and being able to, you can't really personalize a message too much, um, you know, when it's 160 characters or whatever. You can do a little bit. You can certainly personalize when you send it. But email um, is just such a rich um, media that um, Armenian. So I don't see it going anywhere and um, any anytime soon. I'm trying to imagine the world's most personalized. A lot of the people that are probably listening to this probably have heard the same things that email is dead and probably had the same reaction I did that. Yeah, right. It's not, if anything, it's, it's proving more important than ever. Right. So what, what would be, what would the world's most personalized 160 characters look like? Like you said, you really can't. And now I'm shuddering to think of what could I receive on my phone that'd be like, Oh my God, this person knows me. Well, yeah. I remember a time you and I were looking at just the size of links and email messages that were uh, larger than the Gettysburg address. I think one larger, link. longer than the Gettysburg address. That's absolutely right. Trying to cram so much in, in recipient information into a link. I, um, right. I hate to admit you were my boss at the time. So I could, I can uh, admit this. I spent probably 20 to 30 minutes looking for uh, 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 analogous pieces of literature that matched that link. Uh, and I'm sorry, that might've been a waste of my time, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um before i jump into the lightning round nick did you have any last questions for dan uh i mean my only question is uh one of i would say probably the best thing about message gears is beer cart friday was that your invention um <laughs> i think i have to take credit for that one yeah i think okay. i do I wanted that as a matter yeah. of public record, um, simply because it's a it's a it's a staple of what we're doing. Yes, anytime I hear a cart rolling over like a stony ground or cobble street, I'm like, are we about to have beers? Like it's just a Pavlovian reflex yeah. in my yeah, mind. Yeah, really uh, just so everybody listening knows, um, the hallways of Messagiers are cobblestone. That's an important detail <laughs> here that you might not get. It's like a, like kind yeah. of like a medieval hamlet, really, in our office. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I hope it's painting picture. Great. Okay. So Dan, we're going to jump into the lightning round. This is quick. It's just first answer that comes to your mind. Oh, geez. Um, All right. It is time. It is time. 
Yeah, it is timed. The first few, um, we do like a question for Dan, the man. And then we ask, and then the next one is like Dan, the founder or Dan message gears, Dan work, Dan. Um, okay. So I'm going to jump into it. Uh, right. ready? Go. Favorite startup founder. Can't name yourself. Favorite startup founder. Um, 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 Elon Musk. All right. Favorite, um, thing about being a founder. Um, uh, seeing people use something that you created or helped create. Love it. If you weren't a founder, what position would you be doing like within a company? Uh, um, I would be in engineering somewhere, machine learning, doing something awesome. like that. Yeah. If you weren't in tech, what industry would you be in? If I wasn't in tech. Um, Pilot. Or just like a different job. Mailman. Oh, pilot. pilot. Love it. All right. Uh, Dan, jeans or khakis? Um, jeans. SMS or push? SMS or push? Push. Got to go with push. All right. And these last few questions are for Dan message gear specific ones. Would you rather eat Chick-fil-A sandwiches for a week straight or Culver's cheese curds? <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Um, yeah. What's a, dessert, but yeah. Yeah. They're both clients, uh, what's so a, both. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I think I would go cold curds, but whatever. Um, what's a company value that didn't make the list? If one doesn't come to mind. Oh, company value that didn't make the list. Oh man. Must have I'm cobblestone totally streets. Um, have fun. Yes, I love that? that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to, we're going to add it. And last but not least, pick one or the other 1996 Atlanta Olympics or 1996, 1997 Atlanta Hawks. Oh, Olympics. Two minutes. Oh, okay. Awesome. I was like, oh my God, wait, did you? <laughs> yeah. You got to pick one. Yeah. Is there a Olympics or Hawks? What, what I'll say is, is India tries her best at these questions and we appreciate that she does. But some of like, would you rather eat a chicken sandwich or just fried cheese for a week? I don't know that that's, I feel like there's like one is signing up for like, like real issues. And the other one is a chicken sandwich. Well, it, it triggered a memory from, um, we used to have an office uh, next door to uh, the Mellow Mushroom Pizzeria. And we would eat Mellow Mushroom Pizza every day for a week, sometimes for lunch and dinner uh, every single day. So. Um, yeah, it's not a bad question. You know, it yeah, happens. and plus, I think I would eat the curds, and I think I'd be fine. Okay, and by the way, we need to say uh, cheese curds. That's not that's a another statement. Sophie's choice. They're both so good. <laughs> Sophie's <laughs> choice. <laughs> and twice, and that's what we got around. Dan, thank you so much for for being on the podcast uh, uh, today. This this was a lot of fun. We need to we need to have you back soon. Um, Anytime. This is a good time. Yeah. And, for everybody listening, listening, thank you very much uh, for uh, tuning in. You could like, you could like or subscribe on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. This has been in gear. Vroom, vroom. This has been in gear, a podcast from Message Gears. Please make sure to subscribe so you can get the latest episodes delivered right to wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know how we're doing. We would love your feedback. Visit us at messagegears.com to learn more and to get in touch. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.